Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will. My name is also Uncle Buck. My name is Justin. Every day, all time. I got a couple of names, but on this podcast. I call you Jay Wall. Thanks, bud. How you doing? <laughs> doing pretty good. All right. What's what's new? How was is, how is your weekend? Oh, um, yeah. My weekend was pretty nice. You know, enjoying the, the last few days of summer, mm-hmm. living loose mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in the studio, staying tight to the click. Ooh. Working on your riffs, you know. Working it's, on uh, very important. Do you want to divulge anything about this work that's going on, or are we keeping it under wraps? Yeah, not at all. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Jay Wall's working on his riffs, like he always says. I'm psyched to talk about it. <clears throat> I'm involved, but I'm not directing. <laughs> He's spilling the beans. Better get across the table, man. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I, I'm not going to, but I am excited to because we're going to talk about it in the future on okay. this podcast. But okay. yeah, yeah there, there's a project. All right, Float. stretching the limbs of the heavy hole. All know. right. I don't know about it soon. I stretch every day. That sciatic nerve. Oh, uh, you got yeah. it. Yeah, ask John uh, Eggman about it, man. How yeah. much uh, stretching stretch. did you do this weekend? How was uh, how was the weekend? Uh, I stretched my time. I worked a lot of overtime this weekend, and um, you just stretched. Who will I? I will allow to ride the Segway. Oh, you wow. stretched yourself in there because that was a brilliant segue. I got my segue yeah. bonus permit today. Yeah, yeah. I, I stretched. Uh, <laughs> I did stretch this weekend. I, I worked a lot of overtime. It was Friday the thirteenth. I kind of kicked back on the Friday night, relaxed. I listened to some heavy metal music as I do from time to time. Nice. But nice. I actually want to talk about the prior weekend. Actually, the Thursday night before last, I didn't get to tell you guys. Yeah. I went to Rams American Pub in Holbrook. Not the Rams Head. Uh, that was another venue from a few years back. This is a completely different venue now, I understand. Uh, and I saw Pyrexia. I saw uh, Splattered Entrails. And I saw False Gods. Shout out to all them. Uh, and that was for uh, Pete Proto's uh, mom's birthday. So shout out to Pete and all his family. Uh, what a great show, man. Had a great time. Uh, Pyrexia put on a killer set. Uh, it was all love, man. So really, really good to get out there, man. There's a lot of shows for, all, for all, any, any Suffolk County, Long Island people or New York people in general. That uh, that Rams pub out there in Holbrook, man, kind of a tight squeeze, man, but they're having some sick shows out there, man. You got to look at um, uh, Pure Gore uh, bookings, man. Uh, that You know, he's booking a lot of the shows and all that, man. So that was a nice time, man. Yeah. Great. Check yeah. it out. Yeah. Good, good environment for the kids. Good to have some local venues you can head to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Makes a big difference. Did uh, anything uh, make a big difference in your weekend, Tom? Did you have a nice one? Uh, it was pretty good. I hit the beach for the last time, like you said, getting the last of that summer in. Yeah, you got to get some sun. You have to. Um, and then uh, th- this was yesterday, so I hit the sun. It was beautiful outside, and then I immediately had to go uh, do a Russ Mortem episode, and it took three hours. Mm. Uh, it was the longest episode I've ever done. So I'm shot. My eyeballs are falling out of my head right now. <laughs> I, I'm exhausted, but I uh, man, I, I love it. Uh, so you know, shameless promotion. Love roast mortem. It's my own show. I'm very funny yeah. on it. <laughs> We're all a family. Yeah, yeah. I understand you've been working very hard at roast mortem lately. Uh, we've been getting a lot of attention, mm-hmm. which is you know that's what we do it for. It's a totally different podcast. Yeah, I, I'm meaner to the people I'm with. <laughs> I'm mean in general. I get you know just yeah. let it. It's like a punching bag for me. I just make awful jokes, and uh, some of them stick, some of them don't. But we have a good time doing it. Like wow. I, I feel fortunate that I get to like shit on things, and then also talk about what I care about. Because <laughs> and between those two podcasts, like I'm gravy. You know, I uh, I appreciate that perspective, man. And just for the listeners, we're talking about your roast mortem podcast that they can check out, man. Just for the, anyone who's caught onto the heavy hole but doesn't know about that that history yet. Um, yeah, man, I've had it on my head that I wanted to do a podcast or a YouTube channel or something the last few years, man. Because I'm like, I got all this death metal lore. Uh, trapped in my head that I want to get out and I'm only thirsty for more of it so I want to interview people and, and ask about it man and then you two guys <clears> and I want to package it in some way so that there's fresh artwork each week 
uh, that represents the episode, man. And then I meet these guys, you know what I mean? Justin and Tom. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's all worked out very well in this yeah. heavy old podcast. Thank you guys for inviting me on here. I was about to throw all of my internet-connected devices into the toilet and check out to the woods, man. But uh, I've kept my internet connection and stayed, you know, in modern times. Thanks to you guys. I'm on the podcast. That- I love it. Trying to share some stories. Podcasts are making for a smooth transition uh, for me as I lose my voice and can no longer sing for death metal bands. And I'm just going to be reduced to a man who speaks about death metal. So it's, it's, it's my retirement plan, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, moving forward, uh, tonight's episode. Um, all right, so another guy uh, who didn't have any electronics, obviously, and wandered the woods, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Um, Heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cultural and historical figure who has inspired a lot of heavy metal over the years. Uh, And now, I guess this would be a good point to say the views and beliefs expressed by any guest of the Heavy Heavy Hole podcast uh, did not necessarily represent the Heavy Hole podcast team. Uh, And tonight, we're going to be speaking to a Christian metal veteran, self-proclaimed, pretty much an expert, uh, my man John Osgood. Uh, and he's going to be giving us kind of like a, a trajectory, a chronological history of um, Christian extreme metal. We'd actually like to pursue this line of, uh, of episodes uh, in the future and interview people from various philosophical and belief systems, um, maybe even uh, you know from other parts of the world who listen to metal and who are diehard metalheads. So tonight we're going to bring you our Christian metal episode with our special guest, uh, John Osgood. Heavy Hole Podcast. We're here on location, uh, in in an undisclosed location on Long Island, with uh, self-described Christian metal veteran John Osgood. Is that fair to say? Amen. Yes, you're you're looking at him. And and with me, of course, uh, is Justin. What's up, guys? And Tom. Yo yo. So John, uh, thank you so much for uh, welcoming us, um, and uh, you know introducing us to your friends and family. Um, we you know we we feel uh, really uh, welcomed here, and and you've been very hospitable. So thank you right off the bat for that. Oh great. Um, and just to give the listeners a little background, we don't know each other very well, but we met recently at the Grim Reaper show here on Long Island. Yes, we did. Um, and I, I said we got to get this guy on the podcast, and we got to do an episode about a very niche uh, faction of extreme metal, Christian metal. So before we get into playing albums for people and, t- and breaking it down genre by genre and all that stuff, John, I was hoping maybe you could give us a little background on yourself, where you're from, maybe a little bit about your upbringing and how you get into hard rock and heavy metal music. Well, I'm originally from the Syracuse area, a place mm-hmm. called Whitney, New York, which is a suburb of Syracuse. And when I was in high school, I started getting into rock music and everything and really heavily into a lot of it. And I discovered heavy metal. This was back in like 1978. I I got my first heavy metal album. It was the first Van Halen album. And I just remember awesome. that. And then I, I got into bands like Ted Nugent. I remember went remember going to see Ted Nugent concert. And that was probably the loudest concert I've ever been to. Because my ears were ringing for like an hour after that concert. I mean, it was like, you know. He's a wild cat, man. Yeah, Cat's Grab Fever. But it was a general admission show, so you could get right up by the stage. So I was right up near the stage, Syracuse War Memorial. And I just remember it was so loud. And I came out of that concert, and my ears, an hour later, my ears were still ringing. I mean, it was like, wow. But it was good. And then, of course, I got into ACDC. And then when I got into college, and I started doing college radio and everything, I got into bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and 
different bands. Like we discovered a band called The Rods out of Cortland and stuff. And there was a few other metal bands. We got into Crocus, Def Leppard, a bunch of other bands. And I was one of the few guys on my college station that liked metal. Everybody else was into like either the new stuff that was coming out or the new synth pop stuff, or they were into like Southern rock or some new wave or whatever. But I couldn't deal with any of that. I just, I just liked metal. So I was like, I would, I would be one of the only two DJs that played metal on the station. So everybody's like, oh, we don't want to hear that metal stuff. We want to hear, you know, some whatever, you know. So, but I liked metal. So it was, it was, you know, and then when I got out of college, Metallica came out. You know, I saw them with Ozzy in '86, and then I became a Christian and um, gave my life to the Lord. And that was when, two weeks after I became a Christian, I discovered my first Christian metal album, which was Striper, uh, Soldiers Under Command, because I had read an article in Billboard magazine when I was in college about this band, Striper, and how they were metal, but they were like Christians. And I was like, that's interesting, you know, because I grew up in church, but not really like a hardcore, you know, Christian church. So kind of a liberal, kind of mainline denomination. And so I really, I really, it was kind of confusing to me, like, wow, they're a metal band, but they, they talk about the Lord and stuff. So I got the album and I loved it. I was like sold out when I bought that album. I had to have more. And then I kept, I kept going around to this bookstore and I would look in every magazine to find any article I could about Striper. Well, I, I discovered this one magazine, Metal Edge magazine, mm-hmm. and it said, well, yeah, you heard of Striper, but here's five other hard rock and defenders of the faith. So this is like five other Christian metal bands. I started <laughs> finding other metal bands to listen to and I was able to get the records and everything and that's when I, I started getting more into Christian metal. Bands like Baron Cross and Messiah Prophet and Blood Good, some of the early bands. You know, Saint, Leviticus, a few of the earlier Christian metal bands. And of course, metal got heavier. And so of course, Christian metal got heavier. I discovered um, a band called Deliverance, which was like a speed metal band. It was Believer, another great thrash band out of mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It was Vengeance Rising, which is the original Christian thrash band that came out out of California. They were really heavy. And uh, maybe we'll play a sample of some of their stuff. And yeah. that was like the first thrash I got into. And then it just got heavier. Yeah, and, and if I, I'm, I'm sorry, if I could stop you there because I don't want to, um, I don't want to skip over certain parts of your experience. Um, you said it was 86 that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Yes. And you started listening to Christian metal, such as Striper and these other bands. And I do remember Metal Edge magazine, by the way. I'm, I'm not that much younger than you. Um, I, and uh, Metal Maniacs magazine, too, I used to read. What I wanted to ask you about, though, is before you were saved in 86, what were like your favorite, like maybe your top three bands you were listening to? Well, actually, my favorite band is still not a metal band. I'm still a big fan of the band Yes. Whoa, and, excellent. And like I like early Genesis, and I like the prog stuff, because my first okay. concert I ever saw was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. I'm really wow, into that great, 70s prog. That, that's like my... Some of my favorite genres. I just saw Yes, as a matter of fact, out at, um, and they played at Farming, Farmingville, mm-hmm, you know, out, mm-hmm. of, out at Bald Hill. So I'm still a band. I've seen Yes like 20 times. So they're my favorite band. But as far as metal is my favorite genre, so I mostly listen to metal now, and I mostly, you know, I listen to all Christian metal. So it's like um, those were bands I was into. I was into a lot of rock stuff, just regular rock stuff. But then I also got into metal. So, and I was into when I, before I became a Christian, I was into like, Metallica and Rat and Dokken and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and all the ones you think of bands like Loudness and mm-hmm. and any metal I could I could find really you know. So the reason I ask is because was there a conflict for you um, when you when you became uh, more spiritual when you gave your life to Jesus and became saved? Was there a conflict for you 
retaining the same love for the for those bands you know that you listen to or was was it like i have to put all this away and only listen to christian music it or? started it, it slowly it became slow because as of course you know when i first became a christian it was like i didn't know too much okay so i wasn't as and then i got more into the christian stuff and for me now I, the way i progress is like it's not that i don't like any not christian bands it's not that i won't listen to them it's that there's so many good christian bands out there for me to listen to that that I find that, well, I can just listen to that, you know? Because mm-hmm. there's hundreds of bands that are yeah, Christian metal. Yeah, especially in this internet age. I mean, you kind of almost have to pick uh, a, a corner and, 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 you know, play that corner uh, in metal, regard, regardless of whether it's Christian metal or, you know, whatever your, your, um, your angle is. There's so much metal worldwide, and there's such a flood of information with the internet. Man. And I heard a lot of ministers that, that changed my view on some things, you know, as far mm-hmm. as listening to non-Christian metal. So, you know, it's, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not against it because I know... I belong to a lot of Facebook groups, and some of the guys on the groups, you know, Christian metal Facebook groups, and some of the guys don't have a problem listening to any kind of metal. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like, I just find that there's so much good Christian bands out there to listen to, regardless of what you like, whether you like you know, 80s glam, commercial metal, whether you like death metal, black metal, you know, speed metal, the progressive symphonic metal. It's all, it's all out there. So every, anything, anything, you know, it's, it's all within that genre of metal. And and now going back to the eighties, you you mentioned you were looking everywhere, all these magazines. You finally find Metal Edge magazine, and they only list five other bands. Yeah. So it's fair to say that back then it was a lot more difficult to find Christian metal, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you find these five other bands. Is it is it, it does that kind of like wormhole you into the Christian metal scene? It did because then I met this guy that that, um, that I was working with at uh, when I worked at a store I used to work at in Syracuse, and he had a big striper patch on his back. So I t- started talking to him. And I said, because I had heard Striper was coming to Rochester like the month or so. He goes, oh, no, the concert's, the concert's on Saturday. Are you going to go? And I was like, great. So we got tickets. And then I started talking to him. And he said, no, you have to go to a Christian bookstore to get all Because I couldn't find any of this music. I didn't know where to where to look for like these Because they listed some of the albums that a few of these bands had. And I was like, where do we get this stuff? Go, oh, you have to go to a Christian bookstore. Because they wouldn't sell it at your typical record store. No, because it was right? on yeah. the, the, the fact these bands were on Christian labels. Which was like, so it was it was kind of almost the same as being on an underground label because they didn't have the distribution, right? Yeah, like okay. there was a label called Pure Metal Records. Yeah, it was okay. one of the early labels. And it was okay. bands like Bride and Sacred Warrior and White Cross and a few of these bands that were on this label. And so I go to the Christian bookstore. And then eventually I found a magazine called Heaven's Metal Magazine. Was great. And I subscribed to it. I used to get it every month, and it would review all the bands. It would talk interviews with the bands, and it was just a. It was just you know, gave me all the ups ups on what was going on in Christian metal. Mm-hmm. Heaven's and the then, metal. And then there was a. They had an advertisement in the back, and there was a. There was a radio show that this guy used to do called. Um, I can't think of it now, but it's based out of Florida, and it was all thrash, death metal, all that kind of heavier stuff. And he used to send it out every week. So you get a free copy. It was I forgot the name of the sound in the no 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 sound in the fury. It was that was a different show, but I, I can't remember the name of the show now. But or oh, Tempered Steel, that was it. It was based out of the Fort Lauderdale area, and so I discovered a lot of bands on Tempered Steel. I discovered Living Sacrifice. I discovered um, well, it was there was a band called Light Force, mm-hmm. which was like a power metal band out of Australia, and the singer left, and everybody left except for the bass player. So he he decided to change up the band. He became the singer. And they stayed with the name Life Force for a little bit, and then got some other other guys, and then they eventually switched it to Mortification and went death metal. Yes. Now, now you just dropped two very heavy Christian extreme metal bombs on us: Living Sacrifice and Mortification. Yes. Um, 
So I I, I kind of wanna I, I wanna push back a little bit on on getting into the bands again because I just want to dig a little bit deeper into your your Christian metal experience because yeah. it's something I think a lot of our listeners haven't experienced because it's a scene we were talking before we started recording. There's not a lot of spillover. There's not a lot of Christian bands playing shows with secular bands and everyone mixing it up. You do see it occasionally. Yeah, like I saw for instance. Uh, but this is '88. I saw the band Baron Cross. They sound a little bit like Iron Maiden. The singer sounds like Bruce Dickinson. I saw them four times, and the second time that I, no, third time that I saw them, they played with Fate's Warning. Mm-hmm. They opened up for Fate's Warning in a bar in Rochester. Wow, excellent! So band. you know, yeah. the, the you know, Christian bands have you know, Striper has had secular bands warm up for them, and there's other Christian bands that have played. I know Believer did a show with. Um, I think Morbid Angel, one of those band, one of those heavy bands. <laughs> so it was like, at, at, and at I heard, yeah, I heard. Wow. Somebody told me about the show that they that there was a very hostile crowd as far as the Christian stuff is concerned. So Believer just had to play their music and get off the stage. Wow. And like, you know, yeah, well, they, I, I know more. We were talking before Mortification. I mean, um, you, you know, you were right there. You said that you saw Mortification in 93 and 94. They were just, they were like competitive with all your regular nuclear yep. blast uh, secular death metal bands that were out there. Mortification was right there. Um, maybe could you describe the concerts for? Was there any sort of pushback at those concerts for them that you went to, or were those Christian metal themed concerts? It was a Christian festival. Okay, so uh, I saw okay. them twice. Two, we went. To the, they had a thing called the Cornerstone Festival, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now it's now changed over to something called Audio Feed, and this was in Bushnell, Illinois. It's like a farm in Bushnell, Illinois, Central Illinois, and it was like a three day music festival. They had every kind of music you could possibly think of. I mean, they had rap, they had. They had one year they had Charlie Daniels band, so it's you know it's a variety of different Christian Christian music, but they had they had a lot of metal. So one year they had um, four four thrash bands or four thrash death metal bands that played the main stage with Living Sacrifice, Deliverance, Tourniquet, and Mortification, wow. all in the same wow. afternoon. So I saw them there, and then before that we went two years in a row to something called the Metal Fest in Decatur, Illinois, which was a all day Christian metal festival. And what they had was they had six bands on the main stage, and then they had like a six-band Battle of the Bands competition on the side stage. And then the winner of the Battle of the Bands got a record contract with Pure Metal the first year. Mm-hmm. I forgot what they got the second year, but so it was. So going going back to the '80s, is there or were you part of um, like a tape trading underground network, just like there was for for uh, your average metal net, you know metal bands and your secular metal bands? Was there anything like that, or is you know underground photocopied zines like for for the well, Christian there was metal the scene? Heaven's Metal magazine, so mm-hmm. that was the main the main way I got informed about bands. Yeah, yeah, to Heaven's Metal magazine, and then you know we just just anything that came out, go to the Christian bookstore. Like, I remember one day I went to the Christian bookstore, I had some money to buy a tape, and I saw this band, Sacrament. And I, I had a friend who worked at the Christian bookstore who was into a lot of this stuff. We had gone to the, one of the metal fests together, and he was a bass player. He liked a lot of these bands. I looked at it and said, wow, this looks heavy. What is this? He goes, oh, you'd like this stuff. And I got it. I put it in my car, and it was like thrash. I mean, <laughs> really heavy. And it was like, I said, wow, this stuff's, you know, Testimony Apocalypse. And it was like, it just blew my mind. It was one of the favorite albums. It's still one of my favorite albums today. Uh, in the you know the crash scene, so it's like I was like, wow! I discovered you know I just go to the Christian bookstore and I discovered this this new stuff. And it was like, so it sounds like the Christian bookstore was kind of like where you, where you got all this stuff and it was the yeah for all at the time, time. Okay. and then that bookstore kind of went yeah. sour and they didn't like the Christian metal. But is this still upstate? Yeah. Okay. Now you just said they didn't like the Christian metal. My next question was going to be: Was there um, pushback from within uh, the Christian culture? 
uh, and, and, and other Christians like, like, like John, you know, you're a nice guy, but how can you listen to this music? What's up with this? There this was shirt, some you know? of that because people just don't, didn't understand. Mm-hmm. They don't understand metal music. They don't, they don't understand, you know, like I read something recently on Facebook that said metal music is just classical music with distortion. So, well, well <laughs> I mean, that, that was a Facebook member that, or something. That's not really putting metal down. I mean, classical music is pretty hard to <clears throat> yeah, play. Yeah, so, you know, but, it's yeah, just yeah. that the people don't like it because they don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and even the death metal, even the heavier stuff, people just don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, even nowadays people don't understand it, but in the 1980s, I've referenced a few times in other episodes, we talk about the satanic panic period of the 80s. Where, um, you know, like Judas Priest was famously brought into court because two of their fans had a suicide pact uh, and people were kind of like targeting heavy metal groups for things that very disturbed uh, individuals yeah. were doing. Uh, so at that time, you're a heavy metal fan. You're saved in 1986. Yeah. But, you're, you know, you're still, you know, professing to love heavy metal music, even if it's Christian music. I mean, was there was, what was the environment back then? Because now it's kind of like heavy metal might be thought of as kind of like lowbrow or trashy. But back then, people were like waging a war against metal in a lot of circles. Yeah, I didn't get too much of that because I used to hang around a lot of metalheads. Okay. So I was yeah. hanging around, you know, secular. I, there's one club called The Lost Horizon I used to go to every weekend. Mm-hmm. And for a while, and they didn't have all the metal bands. I mean, we had Testament play there. We had Nuclear Assault. There was um, one show I remember, Napalm Death played there. Deicide, and I ran into Glenn Benton, and he was like, knew that I was a Christian, and he wanted to like kick me out of the club, and he was just all mad. But um, can, he, can you he, elaborate he, on that at all? Well, I, I just went there. I had my Bible, and I had, I had a T-shirt. The one I was wearing the other night at the Grim Reaper show, and he saw me, and he knew uh, he found out I was a Christian, and he said, get out of here. You know, I don't want to tell you what he said because it wasn't nice. Okay, okay. But right. there was this guy on the radio. He used to have a talk show called Bob Larson, and he would reach out to a yes. lot of metalheads yeah. Yeah. Called, um, called Talkback. And, of course, Glenn Benton would call him and threaten him and make death <laughs> threats and everything. And, you know, I hate you, Bob Larson. I'm coming to get you and all this stuff. And so he ran into me, and he goes, do you like... Bob Larson and I said yes and he goes well tell Bob Larson I said to go blank off so you know wow I just you know he was really mad so I left I left the show but just just for the listeners this is a famous quarrel in death metal history and I believe most of it is on YouTube or on the on the internet you can go back and you can listen to Bob Larson and Glenn Benton of Deicide go back and forth on the on his run on uh, Bob Larson's program and I think I've actually read somewhere it could be and maybe it's not true anymore, but I, that they've kind of squashed the beef and they've agreed to let you know let bygones be bygones. I don't know because I, I don't know about Bob that. in a long time. So yeah, I, I don't know if that's true or not. That might have been a, a sarcastic uh, joke. Or something. But yeah, that's that's actually that's really funny to hear that story because I, I've heard those tapes of Glenn Benton and Bob Larson. Yeah, but that was in the early yeah. '90s, late '80s. Yeah. So yeah. I forgot what year it was. But anyway, they, they <laughs> you know DSI played there, and so okay, you know, so I've seen a lot of bands and come through that club. And then we went to a few shows in Rochester for some Christian metal bands that we saw. Was the Bug Jar a, still a place up there in Rochester when you were there? No, we went to a place. Okay. Well, there was one club called the um, the Penny Arcade. Okay. And there was another place called um, oh, I can't think of the name of the other club. Backstreets. That's the name. Of okay. It. All right. Yeah, I, I was I was only up there like in the last few years, but. And I saw like two or three shows at Backstreets, and then I saw like three shows at the Penny, three or four shows at the Penny Arcade. Mm-hmm. Saw a few Christian shows, and then you know that was really. So, so when do you move to Long Island in life? Uh, 1995, I came to Long Island. Okay. Did you ever happen to go to the Roxy in Huntington to no. see shows? Okay, because that was a big venue that we've talked about before. It clo- it, I, I, you know, I'm from Huntington, and unfortunately it closed down like just before I, I got into a lot of extreme metal, so I've heard a lot of stories. Um, so uh, 
just, just you know, kind of like wrapping up. You know, we get into the '90s. More extreme metal starts coming out. You talked about Deicide. Something I wanted to ask you: In the '90s, you start to see like the whole Norwegian thing. The you know, mayhem, Gorgoroth, the rise of like satanic black metal. The you know, they're burning churches. Um, and like this, this image, I mean, you know, Satan and heavy metal have always kind of gone hand in hand in imagery, but it seemed like these guys were maybe trying to push it one step further. I just wanted to get like, what in, in being a Christian metalhead in the nineties, what did it feel like to you where the scene was going? Well, I saw the Christian scene getting heavier. Mm -hmm. I saw bands like Mortification and then of course bands like Crimson Thorn came out, which was really heavy. Highly recommended. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Yes. Yeah. Crimson Thorn. And then I saw who else, who else I see in the nineties. Well, there was other bands. Just mainstream, like, you know, metal bands and, and bands like Deliverance and bands like Believer and bands like the Living Sacrifice and, mm -hmm. you know, other bands like that. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff like that in the 90s that came out. You know, Vengeance Rising was in the late 80s. That was a thrash band. Just a bunch of different, bunch of different bands. And then it just started getting heavier. Yeah, so it was, I mean, would you say that maybe Christian metal was trying to compete with the extremity? And, and it's kind of like there's always, for as extreme as metal gets, there's always going to be uh, a Christian um, yes. bran branch of that. Yeah, 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 because there's people that become Christians that like that extreme stuff. I mean, there's mm -hmm. bands like Corpse, from a band from the 90s. It was like, uh, like Brutal Cross, Bloody Cross, from a couple of German bands. There was a band called Seventh Angel from England and Detritus. They were both from England. There's a couple other Australian bands. It was like Metanoia, which is another band, from death metal band from Australia. And so, and then they got into even black metal bands, mm -hmm. like Horde, which is the first, they call it holy un-black metal, if you will. From, from Australia with, I think you said his name was Jason, Jason Sherlock. Sherlock was in the band Horde. Who was the drummer on Mortification Scrolls of the Megaloth. Yep, okay. and he was also in a band called Paramecium, which is another yes, death metal Yes, Paramecium, band. yeah. But they're, they're death metal, but they're like doom. So it's like real yeah. slow, but way heavy. I would recommend their at least their first album to fans of the band Disembowelment, or maybe even fans of bands like Winter from New York. You like the old sludgy, doomy bands. Paramecium's first album. Um, yeah, it was very heavy. And and kind of so so tying up the '90s, then in the late '90s and into the 2000s, I feel like the Christian scene. I mean, for, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of an outsider of the Christian metal scene, but it seemed like the the most prominent form of extreme metal that was Christian was the metalcore and hardcore bands. Yes. You know, you like, you like Living Sacrifice kind of like switched gears from Death Thrash into more of a metalcore sound. You have bands like Zayo, uh, Under Oath, Norma Jean. That's not, that, that type of music isn't really so much my, my territory, as our listeners know. Um, maybe, maybe more uh, Justin and, and Tom's. I don't know. I don't know if you have any input on those bands. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing uh, some of those bands just from like, you know, bands like Unearth and All the Remains and like the Red Chord that were going around time, uh, going around them. And, you know, it, there really wasn't like too big of a divide between like Christian metalcore and secular metalcore, if you will. Even like uh, a lot of the Face Down Records bands, like A Love for Enemies and, you know, uh, For Today, if they were even Yeah, For Today, I seen them three times. Yeah, so, I saw them three um, times. They like, it was kind of just a more on the musical merit, like how we were talking about before. It's like your breakdowns are heavy. Yeah, it's like War of Ages, Becoming the Archetype, that's another another heavy band. I feel like it was that's, more like a straight-edged and, and uh, not straight-edged difference. That, that's like a, a really, that's a good point, actually. I never thought about that, but it does seem like in the hardcore scene, <clears> the metalcore scene, the Christian bands were able to interact and play shows and be on the, on the same label as secular bands a little bit more. I mean, in metal, at least aesthetically and in a lot of the imagery, even going back to Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden, 
um, you know, metal is kind of has that evil satanic I- imagery. So maybe it's a little harder to picture Christian metal bands right from the go, and the hardcore scene was a little more welcoming. I don't know, but that seems very superficial. Or a band like Impending Doom that we mentioned before we yeah. started recording. Uh, they played with Whitechapel almost like uh, exclusively for the first you know handful of years of, of both of their careers, and their lyrical content couldn't be more different. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of see yeah. those bands traveling together all the time. A lot of kids just, uh, I think a lot of kids also don't care what you're singing about sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's part of it nowadays. As long yeah. as it's heavy. Yeah, yeah. All, all right, man. So, um, you know, I, I, I also, I, you guys mentioned to me that you're trying to start up something uh, called The Bunker. Yeah, the metal. It's called the metal church. The metal church. Yeah, I. Yeah, that's the thing. Is is I'm a little vague on it, so maybe you could uh, enlighten me and the listeners to it. Okay. Well, my friend Donald was here with me. We um, we have a vision to start a church to reach out to those in the heavy metal scene. Now we call it at the bunker because just down the street here at the corner, there's a there's a Lutheran church. That's this is the property. This is actually the house where they live, which is part of the property of this whole Lutheran church. And next door is the original church built. When was it? What year was it built? Yeah, 18-something, I don't know. Anyway, Long Island thing. Long Island history. So they had plans to build a whole new church, you know. So they built the basement, the foundation that's on the corner of the of the property. Okay, well, the town town of Islip, I guess, or whoever it is, came along and said, no, you, you can't have your church here. It's too close to the road. So they just put a roof over it, and it's a basement. That's what it is. <laughs> so then bunker, they built yeah. the main church. Like 50, yeah. This is like 50 years ago. They built the main church just, you know, across the parking lot back that way. So that basement... Is something we're gonna use. It used to be a, they, they had a had a, as a nursery school for a while, but we're gonna redo it and try to get it mm-hmm. so we can so we can use the, the facility as a church, mm-hmm. as like the bunker, and then we can it's big enough that we can have bands come in and we can do shows and different things like that. Truly underground, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, re- yeah it really is underground. <laughs> so that's why we call it the bunker because it's like it literally is. It's a, just a basement with a roof over it. Now I assume the answer is yes, but is there an existing underground Christian metal scene on Long Island? There really isn't. We are um, okay. I one of the I attend two churches right now. I go to a morning church and the church I go to in the evening is called Rushing Wind Biker Church. Pastor's like a Harley guy and a big biker dude, and yeah. he had a, he has a son who plays drums and he was in a band for a while called. It was originally called Overcomer, then they became Restwell. It's like a it's like a hardcore metalcore type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, breakdowns, all that that type of stuff. So um, so they were there for a while, but that's the only that's the only one I know of. That yeah, was really yeah. on Long Island. There's a couple others. I have another friend who's in a band, but they're not really metal. They're sort of hard rock type stuff. But there's nothing that I know of that's really like well, Christian metal. That's one thing I noticed too with with the Christian music scene is that you'll find like really brutal Christian death metal bands playing with like a Christian reggae artist and a Christian guy with a, an acoustic guitar. Like, because obviously it's the message at that point. It's not just the music. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like you'll see. P.O.D. from California headlining a, a fest with a bunch of like you know more really brutal metal bands or something like that, and I get that because at that point, like I said, it's more about the lifestyle and the message. And yeah, yeah. But like, there's a tour coming up. I'd like to see it, but they're not coming around here. It's called the Haste and the Revelation tour. They have it every year. It's like four or five death metal bands that are touring together, Christian death metal bands. Okay. And so Crimson Thorn is reuniting for like two weeks of the tour. Mm, Crim- Crimson they're Thorn. Have Crimson yeah. Thorn taking the head of Goliath, Broken Flesh, Abated Mass of Jeez. Flesh. And I think um, Death Requisite, I think, is one of the other bands I'm trying to think. I I can't remember. You know, I got to say, just for the listeners, um, regardless of where you are with spirituality or religion, that's a brutal tour. That's that's, that's a pretty sick tour, man. Um, And we're going to get into those bands. 
Uh, maybe we could start chronologically, because I'd like to transition into recommending some Christian extreme metal for the listeners. Uh, you've procured a lot of examples here. You have a long list. So maybe we could go like chronologically. Like, uh, are, would you be prepared to play like I, like one Striper song maybe for us just to just to dive well, in? Yeah, I don't have it on my. I can get it up, but I was gonna play some thrash because well because I just I just figure that's appropriate, man. Like okay, you know, well, Donald's got it. the shirt. Striper's like the iconic Christian okay, so metal let me, band. Let me let me go to my phone because I'm you on know. YouTube here. So yeah, and just maybe we could start off and you could tell us a little bit about Striper and I'll then play we'll something from the latest the, album because that's. Because I've seen them like eight times in concert. And and this is their latest album? This is their latest album. What year did it come out? Uh, 2019. Okay, so Striper put out a new album this year. Yes. Okay, what's it called? Goddamn Evil. <laughs> <laughs> they got a sense of humor. You said eight times you've seen these guys. Yeah. Wow. Met them. Met the singer a couple of times. What What's a Striper concert like? It's just a regular metal. Sh- it's like any other metal show. It's just a regular heavy metal. Are people drinking? A uh, few, because it's not everybody that goes to a Striper concert is a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I la- when we last saw them, they played in June at the uh, the Paramount. Okay. So I'm not I'm them. not trying to be funny. I'm I'm trying. No, no, yeah. seriously. I've seen yeah. them at BB Kings. I've seen them. Um, Twice at stage 48 in the city, I saw him twice at the Gramercy. The first time I saw him was in a big theater in Rochester, and then I seen him at that Lost Horizon place in Syracuse once when they're on their um, when they're on their um, against the law tour, and then I saw him at a theater in Buffalo in '89, I think it was. So, now just from an outsider who doesn't listen to a lot of Striper, this being their new album, it sounds like they still got it. Yeah, they, no, they still have it. They have a different I bass mean, player now. Yeah. Uh, the guy Perry Richardson, who was in a band called Firehouse, is that oh, all? Is that also Firehouse. a Christian band? No, they, okay. I don't think Firehouse is. But he was—that was the band that they got him okay. from. <clears throat> have you seen? Because I know that this happens. Have you seen a lot of Christian metal musicians um, move away from Christianity and continue to put out albums that aren't Christian metal? Like I think that happened with Paramecium, right? At some point, that I don't know. I mean, I know I know there's one guy, the, the singer for Vengeance Rising. Yeah, the heavy stuff. He was a pastor. He was like. Really sold out for God. And now he's like an atheist, and he doesn't want anything to do with Christianity anymore. Yeah, which is yeah. sad because he was a really strong, you know, Christian leader mm-hmm. in, the, in the, the Christian metal scene, and he was a pastor of a sanctuary, a heavy metal church, and everything. And now he's like totally turned his back on God, which I don't understand. But mm-hmm. anyway, you know, so we're all praying for him. But Roger Martinez, but that band was heavy. Okay. They were really they were the first real heavy Christian, you know, like almost death metal. And who was, who was that? Vengeance Rising. <clears throat>
when Vengeance Rising came out and I bought the cassette, I bought the album and the cassette because I had heard about it. We were at the at a Baron Cross show in Utica, New York, and the, and the um the stage manager who I became friends with for Baron Cross, who's stage manager for different bands, touring with him and stuff. He said, "You got to check out the band Vengeance Rising. You got to you got to check them out because they were like thrash or like Slayer." And he said, "They're the heaviest thing I've ever heard." So we we you know as soon as I bought the tape, I was like. I went to a Baron Cross show a few months after that, and he played it for me, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And so I bought the tape, and I just played it, and play, I, that's about the only thing I played was that album. Okay, so would you say, like, after Striper, then you kind of, then Vengeance Rising is not too far along the path? Yeah, Deliverance, okay. Believer. Yeah. Those are more traditional thrash bands. Okay, so Vengeance Rising. This is the last song, Copy Headed. Yeah, I used, to sing, I used to sing to this guy, like, sing along with it, because I was going to start a death metal band. I tried to start a death metal band back in like 92, not in the early 90s. Yeah. But you know, I couldn't find somebody that was a Christian that was into death metal. And, or I couldn't find somebody who was, you know, <laughs> into death metal that was a Christian. So it was, like, you know, yeah. so it was just me and this other guy. And so we had thought about starting a band. And, but this song is like, and just to see them do this live. It was pretty pretty amazing. So you saw these guys live in the 80s in their heyday? I saw these guys live in 89. Okay. At the first metal fest I went to in Decatur, Illinois. And they were just, they just ripped it up. Are they still around today in some? No. The, well, I think the four guys, the four of the original five guys are getting trying to get back together with another singer. Yeah. And put out some new material. Because the uh, bass player has a regular podcast on the internet where he talks about some of the Vengeance songs and goes through some of the ba- bass instruction and then Interesting. about okay. the Lord and stuff. So. Wow, so if listeners get into this band, there's a regular podcast from, you said the bassist? Yeah, the bassist okay. has a regular I forgot the wow. name of the podcast, but it's... People can people can look, can, can Google it. It's 2019, yeah, as we Martin say. Yeah, is the name of the bass player. So, I mean, you keep bringing up these Christian uh, music, Christian metal festivals. I imagine over the years, you've probably developed some sort of a network of uh, people and associates. You know, you, you probably know a lot of people in that scene. I do. I mean, I've met people yeah, in bands yeah. and stuff, but you know, we, we keep in touch on Facebook a little bit. Well, that's what I mean. I imagine, because it's, it's such a, like a... Um, Kind of an insular scene. I mean, it's probably a lot of the same people regionally that show up, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't met too many people that I'm still in contact with. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of these bands that have musicians that I'm in contact, that I friend on Facebook, and then we, you know, we're back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So you met, you mentioned bands getting back together. I know Believer recently played some shows, like last year. Did, did you happen to see that? No, I didn't, but I heard it on YouTube. Okay. They so- played, they played, um... Was Saint whatever that place is in Brooklyn, Saint Vitus or something? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I I missed that unfortunately. I and wish I, I had seen that show because I I'm really into Believer. They're one of my favorite bands. Great band, absolutely. And what, what I found very amusing was they played I think on Long Island. One of the shows they played two New York shows, and one of them was with Incantation, who's obviously a very blasphemous band. Yeah. So I, I found you know I thought like thought that was very funny. One well, I saw like, Believer you know, in '90 at the Metal Fest. Yeah. And they were they were phenomenal. It was right before yeah. their. Right before their um, Sanity Obscure album came out, and I just loved Believer was like, you know, one of my favorites. Their first album was just like, wow. And then there was Deliverance, which is another band I, I absolutely love. They're still together. And Deliverance had three albums out that were thrash, and then they kind of went more like sort of grungy, industrial. I don't know. They changed a little bit. But now their latest album that came out last year in 
2018 is just thrash. They're back to their thrash style, and they got one of their old guitar players back, Glenn Rogers, who was on the first album. And then they have the drummer from The Crucified is on there, and then the bass player that was in Tourniquet. second album, Deliverance's second album was called Weapons of Our Warfare. The first album was just Deliverance, but this is a song off of their their second album. And okay, Webs of Warfare. The Weapons of Our Warfare. Weapons of Our Warfare. Webs of Warfare, still available Weapons. as an album title. Yeah. <laughs> Weapons of Our Warfare. And, and do you know the year offhand? This, uh, 1989 this came out. 89, okay, still in 89 now. No, wait, this came out in 90. This came out oh, 90, okay, perfect. 90. The, 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 the chronology is flowing. Yeah. Right mm. into the 90s now. I saw him at a festival in New York, up near Buffalo, called King Abound, the Christian festival. And then I saw him at the uh, Cornerstone a couple years after that. It's just thrash. No, again, this is like the production, again, like really good production. It's, everything sits nicely. It's cool. Yeah, the first album, I think it was their first album, Bill Matoya, who did, who did Slayer, he produced mm-hmm. the album. Okay. All right. I think. I, don't, I forgot who produced this one. What, what is a hot take? What's your take on Slayer? I mean, I, the music's good, but I just, I don't know, I know, I, I, I've heard them, and I, I don't really, like, listen to them and stuff, but... And I, Tom Array is, I guess, I guess he's, he's Catholic, right? Yeah, but he's yeah. probably not a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've, you know, yeah. I have really, I'm really not pro or against Slayer. It's like, you know... Sounds like you're over it. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, like, you I get know, it. yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you know... Yeah. They're you, there, and... You do your thing, they do theirs. I Bob Larson actually toured with Slayer, <laughs> and there was an interview... There's an interview, they had a series called Hot Metal Summer, which is a Christian interview thing, and they're interviewing Deliverance, and they said, well, pretty much the Slayer is just, you know, they're not really what they say claim to be. Yeah. It's like their, their band is just get on the bus, you know, go on stage, get on the bus and sleep, go on stage, get on the bus and sleep. Yeah. They're well, not really this party band or this satanic band that everybody thinks they are. I mean, spoiler alert, I'm in a band called Artificial Brain, and I failed science in high school, you know, so, <laughs> I mean... I mean, for a lot, of these, a lot of these non-Christian bands, it's just an image. Yeah. And they just portray this, like, image of, of we're this bad, you know, satanic, or we're this, this, and this, and they're really not. It's theatrics. There's, yeah. There's art, then the artist. Well, know? that's something. It's, it sells, you know? Yeah, yeah. Death sells, sex sells, the devil sells, and, you know, maybe there's a blurry line between the person and what they're putting out. Maybe there's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now, a guy like Len Benton, that guy truly is... You know, a worshiper Satan. That, that I believe that. I've, yeah. I've heard that. And also, there's another guy I can't think. Fate's warning. Oh, no, not, not Fate's warning. Um, who is it? King Diamond. Yeah. I don't know too much, but you know, I was at one of his shows once, but I didn't stick around to see him. They had the band Trouble play before that, and I was really into them. Now, obviously, those guys, uh, their philosophy, their spirituality, their worldview doesn't necessarily align with yours. Would you say that you respect their integrity in some way? That at least they kind of mean their lyrics? They're not just putting on a show to make some money and get yeah. some attention? I can understand. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't agree with it. But I mean, at, at least maybe they have as much integrity as a Christian artist that truly believes their lyrics. You know, it's, yeah. not, just, it's not just for show. You know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, 
Wow, this is an unexpected melodic break in this song. This yeah, is they, pretty they, amazing. These guys, this is my one of my favorite songs off cool, the man. album. But there's just so much. It's like speed metal. It's like compared to early. I don't know. Everybody's comparing them to like early Metallica and stuff, but. I was gonna say maybe like almost like a production-wise cleaned up early Sepultura, uh, yeah. and then they go, but then they did that, <laughs> and I'm like thinking like that's like Queensrÿche snuck in the door for a second or something. That was that was awesome, man. I like that. It was really cool. So next we're still uh, in the late '80s, early '90s thrash period, and we're gonna yep. talk about Sacrament. Yeah. Okay. 1990 was when this album came out. I went to a Christian bookstore and I saw this album, this tape, on the shelf. You know, and I was like, it said Sacrament, look real metal, and the guy. You know, like explosions and this guy like in a fire and something. I don't know. <laughs> and I said to my friend, "What's this?" He goes, "Oh, you'd like this. This is your type of band." And I'm like, "Okay, gotta gotta get it." So I popped into my car and I was like blown away by this this band. So here's the third song off the album. It's called Hellfire Denied. These, these guys are from Pennsylvania. Okay, and, and what's the name of the album? Uh, Testimony of Apocalypse. Okay. from Pennsylvania interesting because I'm getting a, a little flavor of German thrash mm, maybe it's just me stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah creator yeah yeah, yeah. You, you read my mind I had a little and they were like friends with Believer I think okay. I, I believe so I'm, I'm not don't count me don't quote me on that but... yeah definitely getting a little creator vibe I think it might be the they vocals. were on the same label yeah. as Believer the REX okay. label that was the Christian label one of the Christian labels back then Rex Records was that it uh-huh. okay there's a few good labels. It Rex, it was Intense, it was Pure Metal. Rex and Intense were the heavier labels. Like Intense Records. You, have, you ever see these guys live? No, I've always, uh, I've never even seen live clips. There's only one live clip I've ever found of the band. That's an audio. I've never seen like live huh. clips of the band. Wow, okay. So this is kind of like the um, the lost arc of, of Christian yeah. extreme like metal. Yeah, and I was at Cornerstone, one of the Christian metal festivals, I think in 94, and I saw somebody had a video screen with them on it performing live, but that's what? that's about... This is the one band I've always wanted to see live or see clips of live. Out of any band. So if, if our listeners, if you could track down any clips of uh, Sacrament playing live, if it's out there on the internet, you got to scrub the internet and find that, all right? Yeah. Reach out there, to us on social media. bands. Like I went to a, my club and somebody said, oh, Sacrament's playing here tonight. I went there and it was a totally different Sacrament. And I so can I see that name. I guy yeah. like the yeah. Sacrament mm-hmm. that I knew. And they go, oh, well, there's another Sacrament. They didn't know. So. Yeah. That's, it was different. That's, I mean, you go on to Metal Archives. I think it's the... Encyclopedia Metal, and you guys are probably mm-hmm. familiar with that. It's one of our resources we use on the show yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of Christian bands on there, but there's you look at these bands, and it's like there's so many bands named different. Oh yes, know. a band like Sacrament. There's probably 50 of them from all over the world. I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Deliverance, you know, the different stuff. So yeah. It's, it's, it's. It was what we were talking about. How like in the old days there was there was just a smaller pool of people playing death metal, so you could use a name like Death or Grave. You know, nowadays you couldn't you couldn't name your band something that simple. Like you you got to really think to name your band something original now. You know. Yes. 
you know, I don't want to I don't want to cut off the thrash, but is this a good point to maybe move into some of those '90s death metal albums? Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll go into Living Sacrifice. Yeah, Living Sacrifice. Like we said before, they kind of transitioned from. I guess maybe a death thrash sound through the years to more of like your death core, metal core, like mm-hmm. modern sound. What What's your favorite Living Sacrifice album? Um, it's one of the first three. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the first three. The first one was more Slayer thrash. The second one was pure death metal, which I'll play. Um, I'll play like a um, clip from the non-existent album. And then there was the... Um, then the third album was called Inhabit. I mm-hmm. saw them three times mm-hmm. for all three out al- tours with all mm-hmm. three albums. So you saw you saw Living Sacrifice on their first three tours. Yep. Wow, that's like that's like the that's I mean that's really you guys know where my heart is with with my personal taste, man. That's kind of like the Living Sacrifice. I like once they go towards that more metalcore, hardcore route. There's some impressive music, but it's you know stylistically. It's I still not like as much it, but idea. I never had a chance to see him after that. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I saw him at the Penny Arcade in Rochester. They played, and then they were supposed to play with this band, um, Betrayal, which is another '90s thrash, '80s '90s thrash band. Christian Thrashman, but they they backed down or something, and then um, I saw them there, and then I saw them at the two cornerstones I went to, and they played something. I, I I don't know if it was on this album, but Older Living Sacrifice. Every once in a while, he uses a vocal effect, kind of like a pitch shifter, where the voice just gets lower and it sounds like a lion Maybe. roaring kind of for a while. Yeah, every once in a while, he just presses that presses that button, setting up an epic scene right now. Yeah. And this is what, 93? Nine, this album came out in 92. 92. Very ambitious use of Matrix-style background noises and sounds for 1992. I'd say so. Yeah. Like, there's been some Christian industrial metal bands, too. Wow. A guy named Scott Albert who lived on Long Island who had a thrash band called, um, was it Immortal? And then he went pure industrial and called it... um, Immortal? Immortal. Again, one of those names that somebody else used. Mm -hmm. All these big bands ripping off names from the smaller, earlier Christian bands. Incubus. Well, they had no idea. uh, Probably. Well, I mean, (laughs) I I mean, you know, maybe it was maybe it was like a blasphemy thing. They were like, "Let's steal the name from the Christian band." Uh, I I can hear, I can hear Abbott doing. Yeah, Abbott. Yeah, Yeah, Abbott. There's only one. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, interesting though. Those those old school one word band names though, uh, you know, became. it became harder to, to be original with that over the years. Listen to this, though. Really raw, kind of, yeah, one one foot in the thrash game a little bit still, but that death metal is there. Yeah. Got to say, a lot of these bands you've played us, uh, a lot of kind of just like unexpected but very tasteful melodic sections, you know, that just kind of pop up. Yeah. These guys were also, I think, from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. I think so. I No, no they're not from Pennsylvania. They're from the Midwest. Living Sacrifice, okay. Somewhere in the Midwest. So when do you first hear about Living Sacrifice? Uh, like, I mean, I know you said that you, you've kind of given us stories about the first time you heard a lot of these bands. Man, well, so. like I said, there was, a, there was a, t- um, a radio show that they had that was on all Christian thrash and death metal and stuff that came out of Florida called Tempered Steel. Okay. And every week they would put out, you know, you could, you could order, like you could sign up to the subscription. they give you a free tape every week of the show. And so they had Living Sacrifice on there as their, from their demo before they got signed. 
then of course Heaven's Metal had an article about them and stuff, and then eventually the first album came out. Fair enough. My only question, how were you listening to a radio show from Florida in the early 90s? Because what the guy would do is he'd make cassettes of the show. Yes. And he'd send them out to people. Anybody yes. who wanted one got free cassette, a free, you got a free weekly cassette of the show. Stories like that are like the lifeblood of this podcast to me because I want people who are younger and grew up on the internet, which is, you know, fair enough. You can't control when you're born, but I want people to understand the, the tape trading that went on. Yeah, and, the and so kind of, you I know, still have somewhere buried in my old tape collection, I still have a few of those tapes from the early shows. Wow. That's why I discovered wow. Living Sacrifice. That's why I discovered, well, Mortification, but they were already the Light Force, which I had their first album. And then I discovered there were bands like, um, a band called, um, Red Ink, there was a band, a few other death metal bands that were thrown in there that they had. And so, you know, Crucified, a few other bands. Mm -hmm. So let's listen to some Mortification. This is, uh, this is Mortification. We have talked about this album on a previous episode of the podcast, but uh, before you mentioned Life Force, and that was Steve Rowe from Mortification's band before Mortification. Yep. And when, the, yeah. when the, they formed Mortification, it was originally going to be called Life Force, but then they changed, I don't know why, but they changed the name to Mortification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, And this is, this is the song Terminate Damnation off of their Scrolls and Mangaloth album. Yes, yes. So this is... Yeah, ec excellent band. Uh, and after this, Post Momentary Affliction, a great technical uh, heavy death metal album. I love that album too. I don't think it gets um, as much recognition as, as Scrolls. It's, it's still a great death metal album. After that, they put out quite a few albums in their discography that I think are not as much death metal, but maybe more of like a very bass-centric uh, progressive thrash. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like death stuff. Yeah, there. yeah, some death metal elements. I don't think they ever quite got back to the brutality of this, no. but still a lot in their discography, especially I think for fans of of, the, of bass guitar in general and of thrash metal. Oh, listen to those vocals, so sick. And I asked him because I met him personally. I said, "Do you use any effects?" He goes, "No." So you met Steve Rowe personally? Yes. Could you could you talk? Because I because just for the listeners too, I've reached out to Steve Rowe for an interview and I haven't heard back. But we, we do know as fans, it's, it's been in the news uh, the last few years that he's suffering from illness again, which is reoccurring throughout, throughout his life. He's had a lot of struggles. So, you know, yeah. But since we haven't been able to hear from him, maybe could you just relate your experience meeting Steve Rowe? Well, this was at the Cornerstone Festival, and I don't remember, it was 90, I think it was 93, and he was just hanging out. So I just talked to him for a few minutes. And I said, how do you get that sound on, like, the Terminate Damnation? Is that, is that an effect? And he goes, no, there's no effect. <laughs> so I was like, Wow. There's one part where he like breathes in or something, and it's that. I'm like, it almost sounds that? like that that Glenn Benton thing where he doubles up the high vocals on top of the low vocals, and it just it sounds crazy. Yeah, it's definitely a doubling thing, but yeah, still, yeah. really, but not, but really not, good, yeah. really said, good How performance. Did you get that, and I was like, you know, and he's a phenomenal bass player. I just, I, I love yeah, bass player. Yeah, phenomenal bass player, and um, he's he's had other projects I think over the years besides Mortification. I think there was like a like the Rogue Group or, so, or something. Yeah, One Rogue Production. One Rogue, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a rock thing. Yeah, more of a yeah. rock thing. Because I have that too. 
But um, I've heard that too, and it's, it's, it, that's good. But you know, he's really. And you mentioned before that Jason Sherlock, the drummer people are hearing right now, was also in um, one of the first, uh, I guess you could say, Christian black metal bands or, or holy metal bands, um, yes. Horde. And uh, currently in, is it Revol- the Revolts? Revolts. I'll, I'll, yeah. play, I'll play a yeah. clip of that at the end. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just finish off with that. Yeah. But anyway, that's mortification. So okay. let's let's get into something really heavy. Abated Mass of Flesh. Have you guys heard them? That No, that's one band that you've been telling me about and I haven't heard yet. Yeah. So yeah. Okay, let me get into Let's check that out. Because like I said, too, I'm very familiar with Crimson Thorn, Broken Flesh. I could play a few bands, too, like in the, in the outro yeah. the episode. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard for me, well, some people to believe that there are Christian bands that, that are as heavy as the secular bands. Like, I was talking to my friend, and I, I recently said to passed away, and, and he's into all, he was into all kinds, he's a Christian, but he's into all kinds of metal. He liked, you know, even Deicide and other bands like that. And when I played for him, Broken Flesh, he said, that is the heaviest band I've ever heard. Period. Yeah. yeah. And he, he liked all the secular stuff, too. Even though he was a Christian, you know, he liked all that stuff, too. He said, no, this is the heaviest band I've ever heard. Broken Flesh, um, yeah, I mean, they, they could... They could be singing about whatever. That that album, Warbound, and the self-titled album. I, I mean, um, I, I I'm gonna look here if you don't mind, because that vocalist name escapes me. What's, what was the guy's name? Jacob uh, Mathis, and um, I guess his his brother was the bass player on that album too. Yeah, Jake. What an amazing singer. I actually I, I think I read somewhere that he left the band to do missionary work with his wife. But um, yeah. Yeah, and I just hope they can kind of like recover from that because they put out such amazing work. They got new stuff coming vocals. out. They're yeah. working on some new stuff, so I heard their new stuff. It's pretty heavy. You want to play a Broken Flesh song now while we're talking yeah, about them, maybe? They did. Uh, they did tour a few years ago, and I missed them. I think they played. Yeah, they're, New York. like I said, they're they're touring with um, that that um, yeah that big tour that's that's coming yeah. around. Yeah, and and what and uh, what did you say that tour was called? Um, the Hasten the Revelation tour. Hasten the Revelation tour. Yes. Okay. I'm connected with that on Facebook. So, yeah. but this is Impending Doom. This is their first album. Let me just. Okay, Impending Doom. Yeah. Okay. I this this album is just like their first uh, studio full length. This is their first out. For, well, they had a demo out, and this is the first one. So, impending doom. What what year is this? 
This album came out in... Like 2009? Something like that. They just released a new album this year or last year called War Music. And they're more like deathcore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we were saying, how in the 2000s, I feel like the, the Christian metal scene went very metalcore, hardcore. That but I mean, They're, they're mo- still you know, death metal, but they're yeah. more, the people would describe them as more deathcore. I mean, that, that was kind of like the fashion for, for metal and for extreme metal in general in that period was a lot of things with hardcore and metalcore influence. So, yeah. you know, again, cha- like changing with the times kind of. An old band that Tom and I were in, we played with uh, Impending Doom at Whitechapel, upstate in Utica, New York, uh, at a roller rink. Mm-hmm. And, I, wow. and Christians and non-believers alike skating circles around each other is a beautiful thing. That, that sounds like if you played Mad Libs, but like, yeah, like we played with Whitechapel and Impending Doom at a mm-hmm. roller rink upstate in New York, like the most random setting possible. I remember talking to the singer from Impending Doom. He was mm-hmm. super, super nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like very engaging, just cool dude, yeah. you know. And there's a whole debate going on, at least in the Christian metal scene, whether metalcore is really metal. Yeah, well, that's 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 not just in the Christian scene. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, but yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. in the name. It's metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's metal core. It's like now. Let me just pull up one other band don't, that I discovered. You, don't bring Lord Worm into this now, okay? Because yeah, <laughs> it has been it has been you, brought up. You and me can't get started right now, okay? This has nothing to do with Lord. We're in a Christian Keep household. We can't we can't start arguing, all right? But there's one other band I want to pull up that I discovered. The best metal genre, probably. All right, here it is. Um, let me see. It's a band called Inhabit. It's actually this. This CD, and okay. I found it just on. I was searching on. I think it was. Um, oh, what what was the? Um, the wow. Site? I was. I was. It, uh, it was on. I think it was on Amazon or something. And I found this album, and it looked like wow, this looks really heavy. Pray for nothing. Yeah, Dude, and it's I, like I gotta say, I love like because if you didn't know, you and could it's al- one guy. You it's could almost think that, that this was like a blasphemous band, oh, no way, because it almost could be very sarcastic. But it's it's like funny, like yeah, pray for nothing, like you know, it's. It's an interesting take on it, man. And what I really find is that you're taking us all the way home, back to home territory, because this is on Severed Records, which is a secular, brutal death metal label. Uh, and again, you know, we talk about there's not a lot of crossover between the, the secular metal scene and the Christian metal scene, but this guy is, is right in there, you know. Yeah, habit. so this is a song called The Great Blasphemer. It's off of the album. And just Yeah, it is one dude, man. And this is from 2010. Don't be eating while you listen to this. wacky stuff yeah hmm. I guess it's like you say for any kind of there's a million subgenres of extreme music now and I guess for everyone because it's the you know it's the internet age everything's everywhere there's you know there's Christian bands there's there's probably bands for for a lot of different religions of every genre man it's it's, it's there's so much metal now it's crazy yeah Christian punk metal Christian yeah. you know and one yeah. of the bands I get into a lot is this punk metal band called One Bad Pig they're kind of punk thrash I saw them in '92. The singer's an ordained Southern Baptist minister, but they're a pretty, they're a pretty crazy band, and they're they're good. Okay, so this is another old school band, though. You, you said you saw them back in the day. Yeah, I saw them in '92. And they and they're still around. Yeah, they just they got back together. And this is more of like, I guess, how would you describe them? Christian uh, punk, thrash, kind of, but more punk, like crossover style. I guess yeah, they, they say sometimes. Stuff, but they had a song on their first album called Looney Tune. It was okay. based on the Looney Tune. Because what happened was with this band is. <laughs> They were sitting in a in a cafe, a diner one time. Am I playing this, it while you talk about it? Yeah, and they. Oh, let me just find it. 
And so what happened was they saw this picture of a pig on a, with a, these overalls with a guitar strapped to his strapped to his um, you know over him. And they said that is one bad pig. So they developed the name One Bad Pig, and a lot of the songs are about like pigs and swine, and you know. All I, the, I thought maybe it was like an anti-cop thing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's just all about pigs and pig farms, and like their album, they have a live album which I've been listening to a lot of from Cornerstone, and it starts out with like the Green Acres theme, and then one of the songs they start with Oil McDonald had a farm, and then they go into this like like punk type stuff. But this is a Christian band. Yeah, interesting. So it's kind of punk. They're English. No, they're they're from the Midwest. Oh, the guy just has like a, a faux English accent. Kind yeah. Of. <laughs> this is wacky stuff. But it's just really wacky. You know, they got a lot of different songs. But they came out with like three albums in the 90s, late 80s. Really. Wow. And they go into like a Looney Tunes thing on the guitar solo. You know, I got to admit, I knew there was Christian death metal as brutal as it comes. I didn't realize there was like Christian whatever this is we're listening to right now. This is like wacky, wacky punk you can Weirdness. hear the Looney Tunes. Carnival, yeah. Weird carnival punk. Definitely uh, Dead Kennedys inspired. Yeah, you know, yeah. They would do a lot of things like that. Incorporate pop melodies. <laughs> kind of even sounds like Jello a bit. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's them. So, you know, cool. Okay. All right. Well, that's a good note to wrap this up on. Yeah, John. Um, I, I feel like we barely scratched the surface here, uh, but um, we appreciate so much you sharing your story with us. Uh, we wish you the best of luck with the bunker and whatever your future endeavors are. Yep. And um, hopefully we can uh, get get back in touch with you and maybe do a part two or get your input in the future on the podcast. That's man. great. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for and sharing. If you want to find us, we're on Facebook. Just look up Long Island Metal Church. Right now, that's that's our contact. So. Yeah, I was gonna say if you if you want, if you have anything you want to plug or any contacts, go away. Yeah, we're just we're on Facebook. We're a Long Island Metal Church. Right now, we're just getting started, so we're gonna be at. You might see us at some of the shows. We're going out to. Tesla on the 17th to do some wit evangelizing and we're at a different show so you'll see us around but if you're interested in finding out what we're doing and everything what we're about just contact us on you know Long Island Metal Church on Facebook okay cool. alright thank you John uh, thank you Donald and uh, thank, thank you to everybody else uh, in, in the household for welcoming us and uh, allowing us to do this interview man appreciate it cheers that's great Okay, so that was our interview with John Osgood, Long Island's resident uh, Christian extreme metal veteran expert. Uh, we hope you learned a little bit from this. I found it a little interesting myself, the mm-hmm. evolution of the music and how it kind of intermingles with uh, what we call secular uh, heavy metal and things like that. And I definitely found a few bands that I want to check out and get into more, man. it's, it's uh, There's a lot of good music coming out of that scene, man. So um, that being said... Uh, we our time with John. It felt like John could have gone on for hours with his uh, encyclopedic knowledge of Christian extreme metal. He knew a lot of bands, uh, knows the whole scene, very active in it. Uh, but we did have to uh, respect our format, and um, we you know we did travel out of town for that interview, and uh, you know we we had to cut him short at a certain point. So I just wanted to throw in a few factoids right right here, real quick, to kind of tie up this Christian metal uh, episode. You know, well, I've always been interested in it and been a fan of several Christian metal bands. 
not not so much I wouldn't say as a novelty, but it fascinates me, um, and, I, and I like to kind of dig deep and go go in on things, man. As you know, from all angles of metal. So a few bands that I the one one thing I wanted to bring up that's particularly interesting is: Have you guys ever heard of Incubus? Not the, yeah, dude, uh, make, come on. Make yourself. Yeah, I, I did it. I did it. Forever tomorrow. Yeah, so, more about it. So, <laughs> so in 1999, Moises and Francis Howard, uh, who are originally from Brazil but resided in Louisiana, were um, a little bit upset because they had started the band Incubus in 1986 in Louisiana uh, as a death metal band. Um, and kept it going all those years, took a brief hiatus, and you come back, and there's some California boys with your band name. So um, they decided to turn the other cheek and uh, forego legal expenses, whatever. Because, I mean, look, look, it was Incubus. Those guys were huge yeah. in the late They're, 90s. Yeah. Your death metal band from Louisiana, you guys are going to go up against them with the legal team? Come on. Yeah, right. Um, they got science. Also, you know? yeah. tell us straight how big that band was. Um, I know from someone who worked shows that... Um, they the band Incubus they all hated each other so Ooh. they all had their allegedly. own they all had their own tour buses oh no not even good. allegedly this is like oh, everyone had their own fucking uh, $300,000 wow. tour bus that they rolled around in wow so Living. all right so they probably all had their own lawyer too so that's why <laughs> the original Incubus the death metal band from Louisiana wasn't trying to go up against them and they changed their name to Opprobrium which is O-P-P-R-O-B-R-I-U-M. Doesn't roll off the tongue like mm-hmm. Incubus, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's actually a Latin word that means some sort of public shame or disgrace, I believe, as the research uh, taught me. Um, they did three full lengths in the 80s as Incubus, which for fans... You know, we, we, we talked uh, to Timmy from Smut, and we've talked a lot on this show about the whole possessed death thing, who it came first, you know, and the old school death metal uh, um, uh, movement, you know, when it, when, it, when, it, when it kind of mutated from thrash into death metal. This band Incubus is an interesting band to listen to because they're very much at that point where the thrash metal is evident but the death metal is very much there too um and they actually released six full lengths since the year 2000 as opprobrium these guys are no slouches yeah mainly held down by the two brothers moises and francis howard um with with different musicians helping them out through the years i mean it's a long time these guys have been around since 86 uh still going strong i'd recommend it maybe for fans of massacre or like your mid-era sepultura um, not bad stuff, man. You know? So there's that. Right now, yeah, right now we're listening to the Incubus album Beyond the Unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that's one of the classic uh, older ones. Yeah, 1990. <laughs> And uh, by the way, big shout to uh, Paulo Paguntalan. It was only right that I reached out to Paulo for research on this episode, and uh, he he kind of relayed this incubus slash opprobrium story to me, and I did the research. And another band um, that has been on my radar for quite some time, but Paulo reminded me of, uh, and John Osgood did not have enough time to talk about, Vomitorial Corpulence from Australia. 
Um, they were uh, they go they date back as as early as '93. They put out the album Skin Stripper in 1998 on Christcore Records, re-released on uh, 2002 in Morbid Records. That's kind of like their notorious album as the Christian gore grind band. And um, I guess uh, all of their gore grind lyrics and song titles are inspired by things that took place in the in the Bible stories. Um, this band, interesting band, uh, the main guy, Paul Green, the guitarist and vocalist, after this album, went on hiatus, moved to Minnesota, restarted the band with some uh, American players, eventually, I guess, moves back to Australia and gets a couple of the guys from the OG lineup. Um, they put out a few albums uh, and an EP, a split EP, and they split up in 2008. But this particular album, Skin Stripper, it's interesting to me. I, I have seen it online compared to Dead Infection's Chapter of Accidents. Which whoa, I know that's a, that's a tall order, man. Fighting words in in uh, in my house, okay. Shout out to Adam Rotella, but uh, and when I read that, I read it on like a you know Facebook gore grind kind of forum, you know, and then I saw it on another place in the comment section. I was like, so so people are kind of comparing these two. Let me sit down and give Skin Stripper uh, a second run through uh, with that in mind. Definitely does not stack up to Chapter of Accidents in my personal opinion. Mm. Excellent gore grind album with brilliant production, nonetheless, and um. I would actually kind of compare it to more of like your, like maybe when Regurgitate first came out, a little bit more loose with the drums and the production, a little bit more of a raw angle, but the guitars, there is a chapter of Accidents quality there. I'm going to call people out and say I, I wouldn't go there, but I can see the uh, the reference and the comparison. So, you know, just another band I had to throw in the conversation, Vomitorial uh, Corpulence. So that was Vomitorial Corpulence from Australia. And the very last band I had to squeeze in here, John was going to talk about it, but um, we had some time constraints when we were interviewing him that I mentioned already. Uh, I couldn't let this episode go without talking about the band Crimson Thorn from Minneapolis, Minnesota. They were around since 1991. They, they kind of went on hiatus in the early 2000s, but they put out three full-length albums. And in 2017, there was a big box set release of theirs. And they actually recently announced that they're going to be headlining that Hasten the Revelation tour with Taking the Head of Goliath, with which features some of their uh, some members of Crimson Thorn, Broken Flesh, and um, some other bands. Uh, John and I already talked about that. So real quick, um, I just wanted to play you uh, the last sample of some Christian death metal here. This is Crimson Thorn with the song Dissection off of the album Dissection. It's their second album that came out in Okay, and with that being said, um, you know, we just wanted to give a little overview. Uh, it goes without saying, just like a lot of our research episodes, we didn't cover all the territory. Uh, we didn't cover all the ground. Um, 
know, related to this uh, facet of heavy metal, but we did just want to bring you like a brief overview of uh, what was going on. And John kind of provided a nice history of things, and obviously he's very passionate about this type of metal. So we thank him again for his time and for his uh, his, his research and kind of educating us on this and turning us on to some new music. Um, that being said, we hope to move forward uh, and every once in a while drop an episode like this um, that, that kind of explores uh, metalheads from different belief systems and philo- uh, philosophies all over the world. Uh, not just Christianity necessarily. We also are talking to some people behind the scenes that are uh, of more of an occult persuasion. And uh, we're researching and looking for uh, other people that are from other uh, you know, belief systems. So if you know anybody or if you are somebody who you think uh, might be able to share some wisdom or some insight into that world with us, please contact us on those, uh, the, those Instagrams and Facebooks and all that that we drop at the end of the episode. But before we do that, I think you guys have some allegedly secular music to recommend to the listeners. Yes. Yes, we do. What do you got for us? Cool, man. I got something a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gouge Away. Oh, I love that name. Yeah, dude. Uh, Burnt Sugar. So, Gouge Away, I have uh, this, this, fuck this beautiful Florida band. Um, their, uh, their new record, uh, Burnt Sugar, came out late 2018 on uh, Death Wish Records. Very reputable. Um, yeah, so this is this kind of has this like uh, post-hardcore, slight noisy uh, DIY thing going on. Um, very raw yet kind of polished with the, with the, you know in this new record uh, in the vein of uh, Fugazi, Nirvana, little yeah. Pixies. Um, I'm, I'm picking up that '90s thing, yeah, man. That's uh, cool. Gaujuay's a, a Pixie track, right? So that, that okay. the band t- took their name from and uh, definitely influenced. I about it. totally knew that, by the uh, way. <laughs> Um, also, I, I compare this band a lot to uh, to old school and still going um, like weird hardcore band from Toronto. This band fucked up, which definitely going to bring up on this podcast uh, in, in the future. Um, the vocalist Christina Michelle, two first names. I love it all about it. Uh, she's the real deal, man. Uh, her her strained howling approach is is completely authentic. And uh, you know, there's a lot of like uh, post hardcore kind of punk bands that that you know are. Are walking this like nostalgia line, um, but with Gouge Away, I think that their uh, their approach is is effortless. Um, they they have this very like uh, flowing kind of um, just easy going uh, musical composition. I feel like everything kind of like flows in, like all the genres kind of blend perfectly together. Um, it's a it kind of transitions between catchy and complete disintegration at points, and uh, I think. Anybody for fans of, of bands I've mentioned should check out Gouge Away, man. They're uh, they're on the road now and hitting, about to hit Europe. And uh, yeah, so more to come from from this band. Just signed to Death Wish for this record, so really interesting check it out. music here, man. It's funny because it totally reminded me of a lot of those '90s, uh, to use a term, alternative bands. Yeah. Uh, before it was a, you know such a huge commercial term or whatever. Those indie rock bands from the '90s, College Rock, it was called at one point or whatever. But um. Yeah, and then, but with like a modern hardcore education, I guess you'd say, you know, because like there, you know, there's obviously a little bit more going on there than just the grunge, you know, or whatever, whatever you want to call that stuff. There's a similar thing with like this new rebirth of OSDM or something, and the way mm-hmm. that that bands mm-hmm. are progressing that a little bit by adding elements of different genres. Uh, this is going on in punk right now. I wish and- there were more. Um, OSDM bands exploring Sonic Youth and the Breeders. Sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Cool shit, man. Uh, this album was co-produced by Jeremy Baum of uh, the band Touche Amore. That's how oh, I like yeah. to say it. 
and uh, Jack Shirley, who um, who did uh, Death Heaven, uh, Oathbreaker, uh, stuff like that. So. Yeah, a common man. Um, what do you got, Tom? So right off the bat, I'll need you to excuse me. <laughs> this is some Norwegian stuff, so I'm going to mess up some names. Oh, boy. So this is a band called Dold Vorde Ens Navin, I guess? Just, N-A-V-N. It's some, spell that? Uh, so the whole, the whole thing, D-O-L-D space V-O-R-D-E space E-N-S space N-A-V-N. Okay. So you understand why I'm apologizing? Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow this one up. Um, so this is somewhat of a supergroup. They just started in uh, 2019, and it's a bunch of the dudes who were in the band um, Dodd Time Guard. That's a big one in the black metal community, and I am I am not very well educated in my black metal, even though I am a fan of yeah. my own circles of it. Yes, um, I know that name, Dodd and Garm. I know they have a couple like staple albums. People have told me to listen to them. Yeah, and so I'm just letting y'all know, Dodd Guard, I believe it's pronounced. Um, I was never educated on them until I joined Artificial Brain. That's one of the bands there when I think of Artificial Brain like tour van and rehearsal experiences like them turning me on to music, that band in particular comes to mind. Uh Dodheim's Guard, man. Really interesting band. I still I don't want to profess to be any kind of expert, but I've heard a lot of their material, man. A really interesting wormhole to go down. And this this has members of that band. Yes. So you got my attention. So 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 keep going. Uh the three guys I'm about to list from Die Die I think Dodd you pronounce it every way you can. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, Cerebus on bass, Meyer Vol on drums, mm-hmm. and Vickernick on oh, vocals. Vickernick. Yeah. Vapes Vickernick. <laughs> yeah. um, so the only the only person who isn't from Dodd's Hodgarm is Havard, who played in Satyricon back in the day, and also from Ulver. True. Right. Yeah. So those are uh, another few like big old names. black metal over. We got to get yes. a, a nor- like a middle aged Norwegian guy to give us a whole breakdown of this Norwegian scene, man. There's it's crazy with these bands. Someone with his galers. Yeah. Every time I find something, it puts me down a rabbit hole of all this information of music that I know I would like, but it's oh, like man. it's it's a daunting thing getting into this Norwegian second wave black metal thing. And Dude. I'm not just talking about the staples; like mm-hmm. every, there's, it no, just I, keeps yeah. going. You know what I mean? I did it several years ago, and um, I, I I dug pretty far. I'm not gonna again. I'm not an expert. You know, obviously everyone everyone's obviously heard of Gorgoroth, Mayhem, Burtsum, Burtsum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really cool shit, man. But you know, beyond that, and bands that maybe didn't get as big as that. Right. So this is a new project. Uh, Dold Vorde ends Navin. I'm gonna just call him Dold for a bit, just just to help myself out, because I got an EP that I'm not gonna be able to pronounce either. Um, obviously, if you hear in the background, all the lyrics are in Norwegian. 
Yeah, um, as I would expect from what you've said so far, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So we got uh, this is their EP. It was just released last week on Soul Cellar Records. Jengonjure e Jerktets Morket. I gotta give it to Tom. Jerktets Morket. I might have been turned away from recommending this on the podcast just from all the Norwegian I would have had to talk. I am fine with looking like an idiot sometimes. <laughs> but it's, what about sounding like an idiot? No, I'm just kidding. Hey, man. Hey, I, if you look into the black metal scene, like look at look at Dark Throne and what they've turned into recently and how it's just an awesome, like basically black metal cross punk band. Mm-hmm. So this band is doing something similar to that uh, with other production tricks. There's some clean vocals in here. There's some acoustic guitar parts throughout it, but it starts out just balls deep, crust punky, black metal inspired energy. Really got to check this out, yeah, man. This Thank cool, you for man. bringing this to my attention. It's worth looking like an idiot sometimes, you know? Yeah, man, it's... Show some cool shit. That's allegedly how you get a girlfriend. I know I bastardized everything pronunciation-wise. All the album information will be in the metadata, so you can check that out in the album description or uh, podcast description. So, uh, classic, um, here we go, boys, uh, Misericordium, 10 Days in Catalina EP, self-released in 04 or 05, it's kind of fuzzy, uh, very short-lived band, um, from, from Vegas, they were really active from, like, 04 to maybe, like, 08, the latest, hmm. um, it's a, it's a cool mix of, like, slam, grind, metalcore, and death metal, and, like, kind of early deathcore, um, Around the same time in like the Southwest, uh, as like this band was was playing shows, you had bands like Job for Cowboy, um, Irish Front, Knights of the Abyss, uh, even in in LA like um, as Blood Runs Black, uh, a lot of this like uh, heavier metalcore, um, even like heavier like Swedish influenced metalcore, like incorporating more death metal into what they were doing. Uh, but Misery Cordium, I think, kind of brought a little bit this like East Coast slam to it, like a little like Partisan Turbine. Uh, waking the cadaver kind of aspect into what was going on and uh, uh, shit was just dirty completely dirty um, sick uh, drummers out of control I think the drummer played in the band Molotov Solution for a little bit um, just uh, great hard fast death metal riffs uh, like I said mix of grind mix of slam and then they'll hit you with like some uh, dual guitar like you know catchy metalcore harmonies going on um, vocals is out of his mind the two uh, releases they had after this, uh, the production just gets better, but the the music kind of stays the same. And fucking check it out, man. A little bit of nostalgia for me. Misery Cordium.
my old one for the evening. A Swedish band named Sarcasm. Hmm. Um, 1994. Their self-released demo called A Touch of the Burning Red Sunset. That's what I'm talking about with the song titles. Yeah, all right. yeah, we, we had a little conversation off the record before about that. That's a beautiful song title. I, I love that it. picture. Love mm-hmm. it. So this band is still active today. They've uh, they've lost a few members, a couple deaths in the band, but they've been around since '93. R.I.P. So we gotta give it to them. You know, things happen. Yeah, and, no, that's, um, that's uh, you know, I have a lot of respect. You know, right right off the bat to hear that. You know, that keep it going in uh, in memoriam and tribute. You know. Yeah, they've done a, a few compilations of their work because they have a, a lot more EPs. I think they only have two full lengths. Okay. But it's a solid band in the songwriting respect, 100%. Because I, I was doing my digging around, and I kind of, just for transparency's sake, sometimes I, for Heavy Hole, dig into genres that I haven't looked into for a while to bring something new to the table. Or I'm, old. That was that was almost the point of tonight's episode. Not, not to switch gears, but yeah, just yeah. kind of diving into an element of heavy metal that we are unfamiliar with or haven't seen in a while. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, some of, when I bring in an older one, it's because I want to hear something like that. And this is a perfect example of something that immediately I felt a nostalgia for. This was like one of those bands, hearing it now, I wish I listened to it a long time ago. I, I feel like that at this second right now. Uh, this is right off the bat. This is amazing. That yeah. bass just kind of sits there like a giant cat purring in the mix oh dude the bass gets oh my god the bass is so good on this demo and the guitars are kind of, there's like a an, a an ethereal airy quality to those those melodies this is really nice stuff man you gotta just for the listeners uh headphones for this one yeah yeah this is nice i was doing a little searching found it listened to the the whole demo Went and took the dog for a walk with headphones on to listen to it again. Uh, solid melody writing all the way through. So anyway, Sarcasm, really great Swedish band. Uh, go check them out. This is their 94 demo, A Touch of the Burning Red Sunset. This is the title track. Beautiful stuff. You know, there's like epic like battle music like this. Yeah. Like, this is like building a town with your friends' music. Yeah. This is like that sort of community coming together. Like, yeah, because it, it it doesn't have that hokiness of like we're going to medieval times right yeah, now, yes, which yes. like I'm in. I, I'm fine with that. You know. Sure. But yeah. this is more palatable. It's- All right. So uh, sarcasm from uh, Sweden, man. Thank you, Tom. That's very interesting, man. You know, uh, again, the Swedish wormhole, I never dove down as deep. Uh, I, you know, obviously, I, I, you know, besides your entombed dismember and at the gates, you know, desultory, I, I you know, but that, that's sarcasm. Yeah, man. Sweden has no shortage of solid death metal, yeah. extreme metal, mm-hmm. but uh, sarcasm, I think, might be overlooked a bit. Uh, another thing that I think, um, corner of the metal scene that has uh, a lot of metal to offer, maybe a little overlooked, Christian Extreme Metal, and we found out about uh, all of that tonight. Um, thanks to our guest, John Osgood, for uh, filling us in on that realm. 
Uh, and I, again, you know, no need to do the disclaimer again, but you know, this is a research episode. We're not trying to push any agenda on anybody. We got nothing. Hey, we and, just want to know. And I want to know about metal uh, from all different philosophies, belief systems, and uh, corners of the earth. And we're going to continue that search uh, as we go forward with the Heavy Hole podcast. If we missed a really excellent Christian extreme metal band tonight, or you have more to offer on this uh, metal uh, philosophical spiritual journey that we're on, recommendations. Uh, or you just want to talk some other shit about regular metal and you're tired of the lofty conversation, you can hit us up on the Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitter, and there is a phone number. Yeah, that's 631-837-3274. Yeah. Tom, I'm trying to call it. I guess I didn't put it in right. What is the number again? Oh, it's 631-837-3274. Yep, you can leave a voicemail. uh, Tell us whatever you want about your life. Maybe we'll put it on the air. Maybe we won't. You know what I mean? Um, Heavy Hole Podcast. Thank you. That's it. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy old podcast. We got nothing until next time. All right. Thank you so much. Peace. Seach. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.